Good morning. Something crippled this thing. I don't know what's wrong with it here, but okay. I can preach behind a wobbly pulpit. <laughs> um, I'm glad y'all are here today. About half the people I know are in Florida. Uh, and uh, one of these days I'll go join them. But, but you're here and we're here and the Lord's here and that's what really matters. You the man. <laughs> I don't know what he did, but all right. Uh, would you stand with me? And let's read a, a passage we've read a few times. <clears throat> but it always has more to say. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the power and the grace that are in your word. I pray that you would make us alive to the things that you want to say to us today, Father, so that so that we could truly be alive, so that we could truly enjoy what you have, have given us, this great gift of life. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A quick review. Uh, the fundamental issue of prayer is uh, who's there? Who am I, who am I talking with? Uh, prayer is not uh, words of incantation just spoken out into the air to, um, to, to make things happen. Um, the prayer is not addressed to whom it may concern. It is more important who the answer comes from than it is what the answer happens to be. Uh, and so, who am I talking with? And then uh, prayer is preference, or should be prefaced, with uh, your kingdom come and your will be done. See, the kingdom of God is ultimately more important than anything you can imagine to pray for. There's nothing you can pray for that is more important than the kingdom of God coming on, on this earth. And in fact, whatever it is that you actually need, uh, the kingdom of God will bring it. That, that's it. You need peace, kingdom of God. You need provision. You need protection, the kingdom of God. You need something that doesn't start with a P, the, the kingdom of God. What, whatever it is, the kingdom of God is the answer to that. And and your will be done. Now, we sang <clears throat> a few minutes ago, in everything that concerns me, whatever I'm going through, I know you're working it out, working it out, working it out for my good. How many of you sang that? How many of you actually thought about the words when you sang it? You know, in everything that concerns... Now, God knows the end from the beginning. So he knows that if you do this, that's going to make this happen. We don't know that. So if he knows the, the end from the beginning, and if he's at work for our good and everything, why wouldn't you want his will to be done? I mean, wh why would you go, wait a minute, I think I got a better idea than what you're, what you're, what you're getting ready to do here, God. Yeah. So the, the, the prayer is prefaced with your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if, and if you aren't willing to pray that, then you aren't willing to obey Jesus, follow Jesus' teaching and his example. 
because he not only taught that, he exampled that. I guess that's, I guess that's a proper way to use that word. Uh, you, you, might, you, you can be saved, but not a disciple until you're willing to follow his teaching and follow the example that he set. So anyway, that's, uh, that's some review. And so today, finally, the stuff. We get to the stuff. And this is where our prayers often start. But we start here at our own peril. If, 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 we, if we just jump in the middle and this is, this is where it begins, we're doing it at our own peril. And, and actually, we've kind of often been, I don't know if about taught, but just by neglect um, been taught to ignore this section of teaching and just bring our list as if Jesus said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, here's my list. But that's not what he said. He's, he's actually got some very specific things that he is, that he is saying here. And um, let's look a little closer. He says, give us, give us this day. I don't believe that, that Jesus was saying that we should never pray about the future or make provision for the future. Um, the law, when it, whenever we get very literal about things... Uh, the scripture tells us that the law brings death. It's a spirit that brings life. So, so it's, actually, it's actually the spirit, the principle that's, uh, that's behind this thing, behind what Jesus had to say that brings life here. If you've if you got something upcoming, it's okay to bring it to God. If, you, if you're concerned about an upcoming medical test, procedure, school test, court date, potential meeting, uh, you know, something that is troubling you out there, bring it to God. The scripture tells you to bring it to God. Um, Philippians uh, 4, 6 through 7. This is a, a passage of scripture that hopefully a number of you are familiar with. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and, prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that. Because what we would like for it to say is, present your request to God, and he'll do it. That's what we would like for it to say. But what it says is the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that is so much better than, and he'll do it. Because, see, what we ask for might not actually be working it out for our good. But his peace comes into our hearts. And, and it passes understanding. It's not based on the fact that, man, I needed $100 and I prayed for $100 and praise God, $100 came in. And it's even better if, that, if it's $103.27. And I got exactly $103.27 in the mail. Ah, yeah. That might not be what we need, though. It's, it's, but when, when I pray for the $100 and I don't see the $100, but somehow or another I've got this peace that comes from God. That's a miracle. That's supernatural. That, that's, that's a wonderful, that's, that's, a, that's a powerful thing. But anything that you're anxious about, Peter says, cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And you know what? You need, you need peace more than you need the $100. You need to be rid of the anxiety more than you need to be rid of the tumor because anxiety is a spiritual tumor. Ah, that was 
that was really good. Or, did something happen that I missed earlier? In, in, yeah. I, I know. Pastor, we're thinking about it. It's deep. We're not helping you, but we're thinking about it. Uh, now, let me, let me say before we get into, and y'all are helping me because you're looking, looking very sincere. Uh, I have heard this, you know, I've been in the ministry a long time. I have heard snores. But never when I was preaching were they my snores. <laughs> I think it might, well, I'm so far off track. Let, let me get back on. Uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, let me just say one other thing before we move on into this, because oftentimes people go, you know, well, but, you know, I'm a child of the king. I'm, I'm supposed to live like a king's kid. Let me tell you two things about living, about being a king's kid. Number one, Every single thing you have is dependent on what the king wants you to have that day. And if the king decides that today, this isn't your house anymore, this isn't your car anymore, this is not your bank account anymore, the king can do whatever the king wants. That's, that's just the way that it goes. Now, why would the king do that? Well, the king might do that because everything that you have is based on your relationship to the king. And if you got stuff that's getting in the way of your relationship to the king, yeah. So anyway, yeah, king's kid. I'm, I'm all for it. The important thing, though, is not that we have so much that we never have a need. Here, here's the principle. Here's the biblical principle and for those of you who don't know it, it's in, it's in Proverbs. It says, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. There's that phrase again. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Say, so who would do that? I mean, when people get a lot of stuff, they get closer to God, don't they? Not necessarily. My dad, I grew up in a church that was probably impoverished, though I didn't know it at the time, and that was, that was a good thing. I do know that we had a couple of guys in the church who worked at the Ford Glass Plant, and they were the big rollers in the church. They were bringing in three and four bucks an hour, and that was, that was some pretty serious money to drag down in those days. But uh, I remember my dad saying on numerous occasions about talking about people that he knew, he said, you know, man, they were, they were so faithful, they were walking with the Lord, and then they started making a lot of money, and he never saw them again. Their heart got taken someplace else. So I, I, I wouldn't do that. I, well, I, you know, I might. I don't know, you, uh, was it, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago I was talking about, well, it wasn't last week because Barbie was talking last week, but uh, a few weeks ago I was talking about the fact that if I had had a little bit more sense and invested a little more wisely in the stock market, I'd have over $30 million today. You remember that? Okay, Margaret remembers that I would have over $30 million today if I had done that. And I was also saying, and if that had happened, then I wouldn't likely be standing here. And you know what? I feel like I'm supposed to be standing here. I, I couldn't really handle, I don't think, having $30 million. I'd go, I'd go find something else. I mean, I'd, I, I, would, I, I might be able to handle 2 or $3 million. I, I'd like to try that. I, I, th I, think, 
I think I could be okay with that, but I, I think 30 is probably over my threshold. Wouldn't, wouldn't be able to go there. Don't let me have so much that I say, who is the Lord? But don't let me have so little that I, that I steal and dishonor the name of, of my God. And, and we all have different thresholds in our lives uh, on, on these two extremes, and God knows where they are. And if, he will, if, he will, if we will let Him, He will keep us in the sweet spot. He'll, he'll keep us where, where it's real. Consider the implication of, of this, the prayer this day. Uh, when, the, when, the, when, the, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they, they were fed manna. Every morning they'd go out and gather manna, and they gathered enough for that day. And if they gathered uh, too much and there was any left over for the next day, it would get worms and it would uh, and it, it'd smell. And nobody likes to eat uh, smelly, wormy manna. Uh, the only day that they could gather enough for more than one, one day was the day before the Sabbath, and then they could gather enough for two days, and on that second day, it wouldn't get worms and it wouldn't smell. A miracle happened every single week that they were gathering, and every day, it, it was actually a miracle that was happening, but what was happening was God was putting them in mind of the fact that they were dependent on Him every day. They, 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 were, they were connected with him every day. And then when he brought them into the when he brought them into the promised land, he brought them out of Egypt. Now Egypt in the scripture is is a type of the world. It's it's where you're in slavery, it's where you're in bondage, and it's where the Lord delivers you out of. Canaan, on the other hand, is uh, is the promised land. It's what the Lord has has brought us into. But there's also a huge difference geographically in these places. The place that the Lord has brought us out of Egypt has this, has this big old river running down the middle of it called the Nile. And if you, need to, if you need to raise some food, just get your shovel, go dig you a little trench. The water will come in. You can water your crops. Everything's done by irrigation. And, and it depends on you. Canaan doesn't have that. It depends on the rain. If God sends the rain, the crops happen. If God withholds the rain, you got a big problem. And so God wanted to teach them, wants to teach us that we're dependent on him and we're dependent on him on an ongoing basis. Over in Luke 15, Jesus told the, prodigal, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. Most of you are aware of, of, that, of that story. The younger man came to his dad and he said, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so the father divided and gave him his share of the estate. No, Notice the problem started when the prodigal no longer wanted to have to depend on his father. That, that's, that's, where the pro, that's where the problem started. Give me enough so that I don't have to come and ask you for stuff, Dad. And then not long after that, in fact, in the next verse, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and wild living. Once, once he got to the place where he could make his own way, he left the father. Now, this isn't to say that children should never leave home. That's not what that is about. In fact, it's a blessed moment when those children... <laughs> you, you know, they're, they're, they're born and you start buying diapers and you start buying baby food and you start 
going to pediatric uh, stuff. You know, you just go, man, uh, I'll be glad when they get older and they won't cost as much money. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, the older they get, the more they cost. You would think that the cute little ones would be more expensive. than Anyway, uh, and then ultimately, ultimately, they do leave. And, uh, and life, life changes. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. But this parable is not about mommy and daddy. This parable is about our relationship with our father, God. That's what it's about. And you see, our flesh wants to depend on us and only think of God on special occasions. See, we, we, only, we only want to necessarily have to really focus on Him. Let's say Christmas and Easter, yeah, got that. Uh, weddings, funerals, yeah, I can show up for those. And if we're really dedicated, Sundays. On a regular basis, I think about God for a full hour. Except when I start getting a little bit bored with the preacher and then maybe I'm thinking about Burger King or something. But most of the time I'm thinking about God. And if we are hardcore, it's Sundays and Wednesday nights. And it's not as if God is only interested twice a week or once a week or twice a year. God wants to be every single day, every single step of the way, every single moment engaged in our lives. Bread. It's what we need to live and more. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness to turn stones into bread, which he didn't do, by the way, he quoted Deuteronomy 8.3, which says this, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He humbled you, and He made you hungry. God did? Yeah, so He could give you Something and teach you at the same time. And what he wanted to teach you is it's not really about just bread. When Jesus fed the 5,000, the, the people came to him the next day. They wanted him to do it again. And he said, don't work for food that spoils. Work for food that endures to eternal life. And then he offered himself. He said, that's me. He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. And when he says to pray, give us this day our daily bread, we, we, we tend to grumble because we, we don't want daily bread. We want, we want more. Uh, we're so tired of this manna. You know? we're, we're, we're so tired of having to depend on God every day. We're, we're so tired of, of, of having to bring him into our lives and and, and Jesus is going, you don't understand. If you don't bring Him into your lives, you don't really have life. You, you may be walking around and breathing air, but you don't, you don't really have, have life. 
It isn't that God doesn't want us to have things, doesn't want us to have stuff, but He understands that life is better. It's more than than stuff. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. My parents, before they passed away, uh, they had lived in the house for around 30 years. And uh, when they passed away, there was a lot of stuff in that house. And there were times, and maybe some of you have experienced this as well, there were times um, in their latter years when I tried to help them to get rid of some of that stuff, but just couldn't let anything go. See. One of the things that I've learned as I've gotten older, and Lord, help me to not forget it as I really get old, is to travel light. I don't know if you've ever, some of you I know have been overseas and, and, uh, uh, and, and, and traveled uh, you know, by air for a week or two weeks or longer to another country. When we, the first time that we went, when we were uh, back in the mid-80s, they would allow each person uh, two suitcases that weighed up to 70 pounds. 70 pounds is a lot of weight. And uh, the, uh, the, first, the first couple of times that Margaret and I went somewhere, it would be like we would each have two suitcases that weighed 69 and a half pounds. And so that meant that as we were going through the airport, uh, we, well, until we would find a cart, we, we would be carrying 139 pounds of extra weight. And then after we had three children, who couldn't carry anything, that meant we could have 10 suitcases that weighed 69 pounds of each. That's 690 pounds of weight. And as we've gotten a, as we've gotten a little older and we've gotten to travel, man, if I can put it in a carry-on, that is so sweet. You, because I, have you ever, I don't know, it, maybe it's just me, but have you ever... Uh, understood or realized that when you go to that little carousel and you're waiting for the, the, the thing to come out and, and all with, with luggage, sh- shake your head if you're, if you're... That yours is always the last one that comes out. I mean, there are things that look like yours and you go to grab it and, no, that's mine. You know it. And yours is the last one. And sometimes it doesn't even come out. So, man, if you can, if you can travel light... And the same thing that applies to flying overseas applies to life. Life is more than the abundance of possessions. The abundance of possessions just weighs you down. You've got to find some way to, to get through with it. And the bread is still about the father. In the parable of the, of the, uh, the prodigal son, the older brother comes into play toward the end of it. And he complains because he thinks his brother's being treated better than him. He, he complains, you, you've never even given me a goat so that I can go and have a party with my friends. And the father's answer to him is so brilliant. He goes, my son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. When we have, when we have Christ, we have everything. Paul says, everything is ours. 
See, the Father himself is the bread, our daily bread, what is necessary for life. Every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The, um, the Italians have a phrase, and, and I'm going to say it, and then Mario can make fun of me after the service. But, uh, buono il pane. And it means, what, what it literally translates is, as good as bread. But that's not actually what it means. It actually means something more. It's, a, it, 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 it's, it's an idiom. It's an Italian idiom. Uh, an idiom is, is something that actually means something a little bit different from what it actually says. When we say it's raining cats and dogs, we don't mean that small mammals are falling out of the sky. We mean it, 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 it's raining hard. It's an idiom. Uh, what, what it actually means is as good as it gets. Bread is as good as it gets. And it's not noon yet. Yeah, hot bread coming out of the oven with nice butter sort of melted over it, you know, and you, and, you, and you bite into it and it's warm in your mouth and it's just... <sighs> See, bread isn't just sustaining, it's also great. But you know what? There, there is, the world has a bread substitute. And we tend to ask for the bread substitute when we're coming to God. And the bread substitute is something called wonder bread. Because once you eat it, your body wonders what you have just done. <laughs> and you see, wonder bread is bread that, and, 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 and it's ilk, is bread that uh, before the wheat is, is turned into bread and served to you, it, it, it is bread that has had all of the nutrients, all of the vitamins, and all of the oil taken out of it. And so when you eat it, your body thinks you just ate a bowl of sugar. And so you step up your energy with energy-charged fake bread. And you do, man. I mean, you, you, get, you get an energy rush, and about an hour and a half later, you are hungry again. Not only are you hungry again, you're now suffering from Obesity, pre-diabetes, intestinal tract disorders, allergies, all, so, all sorts of things. Because, and this is, the, this, is, this is the stuff that the world would have us bring to God and ask for. But you see, God is real bread. Real food. It, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, your body doesn't think you're eating a bowl of sugar. It, it releases the energy slowly over time. But do you know why they, they created the Wonder Bread? Get this now. The main reason it was created is because it has an extended shelf life. See, the, the, energy, the, the nutrients, the vitamins, the oils causes the bread to, to spoil. You, you really need it every day. You need to make it fresh every day. The other stuff, if you keep it in a nice bag, you can put it in the yard for six months. And it's just as yummy. But the real stuff, every day, give us this day. And you know what the psalmist says? The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And He is good. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Yes, my needs, the things that I need. But what I really need is you. So all I want and all I need is found in you. Would you stand with me? Well, those who are going to pray with people, uh, come forward. And if you need prayer, would you come? And let me just remind you, because I'm sure that there are, are, are people who kind of go, well, you know, I've got this thing, but man, I prayed for it. I prayed for it last year. I prayed for it last month. I prayed for it last week. I've prayed for it so many times. How about this day?